Yeah, I got got. I got Omicron. You got it. Oh my god. Yeah, and I, I got it bad. I had a rough case of it. Yeah. You know, like, what does that make you feel? Like, I'm not gonna say. In no way does that say. Like, I'm not did not denial. like. I would have died if I if I wasn't. But I don't know. That's like. I this is what I don't like. I'm not doubting vaccine efficacy. I like understand the science and why it works and blah blah blah. Yeah. But it is when you like get the double dose and you get your booster shot and then you get COVID and like get a pretty rough ride of it. Like it, you are left with like, well, like what did that do? You know, like. <laughs> that's funny because that actually, that's not how I thought of it. Oh, like, well, I, well, like what did it do? I don't know. It is weird. Like I get how it just, you know, it, it, it like makes sure that you won't experience like a hospitalization and it also does, it makes you, you know, just, it makes people less likely to get it. But in that specific example, it is like, well, like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't think you would have died without the vaccine. Like, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I'm I'm sure you're right about that. Yeah. I I guess it's more like, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying any of this to question the efficacy. It's just like, that experience i don't know if i had that happen i would just be like well this it's just weird you know it's just a weird feeling like no it's actually now that you bring it up like that it's kind of interesting because i almost do feel like i'm a, a person that's prone to that sort of thinking too like what was all this for you know like right, that seems right. like a place i would go to very easily but i don't know i i really just felt like uh, you know, I guess because I just have accepted into my heart that vaccines are necessary and helpful that I didn't even really think much about it. I just thought like, well, this sucks. Like, you know, I, I also I got a lot of sinus infections when I was a kid and they suck and they're really uncomfortable and it doesn't happen to everybody, but it did happen to me and it sucks. It happens to me. But I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, no, and they and I mean they are, you know, again, like I, I am very pro vaccine. I had a, actually a confrontation with a mother <laughs> dropping off my kids from school, telling her she should just get her kids vaccinated because there's a whole Yes, thing. good for you. What uh, happened? Well, it, you know, so I'm coaching my daughter's basketball team <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, the school but... the, the school announced that unvaccinated kids cannot participate in after school programs anymore. Uh-huh. And a friend, you know, a nice woman who is really a friend, um, you know, came up to me because her kids are going to be on the team, kind of like, are you okay with unvaccinated players? And I was like, one, like, I was like, yeah, but two, I have no authority, so I'm going to do what they tell me to do. And I was like, and you should just get the, you know, I was like, you should get your kids vaccinated. Um Good and for she you. Was so taken aback. Yeah, it was really funny. Like, because she was just expecting me to be so sympathetic, and I was like, "But you should really get your kids vaccinated." And she was, you know, we went. We, we I did have like a respectful conversation. It didn't get like heated because I was cool about it. But I just was like, you know, all of that. I hear you. I get what you're saying. You should do it. I was like, I would just. I was like, you can make a big stink with the school, or you could just. I would just make an appointment and get it. Done. I was like, I would do it this week. You know, like just. 
and then never discuss it again. Um, but it was funny, yeah. And so did she, did you convince her, you think? I don't know. I mean, she had said, like, part of her venting was like, and now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to go get them vaccinated. And I was like, right, that's why, that's why they're making the rule. Right, that's why they did it. <laughs> Welcome to the. Yeah, and I was like, because, and, and this is why they're doing these things. Because not enough people, too many people are making the calculation that you're making. And though it's not like, I know you're not intending to do anything bad cumulatively that adds up and creates a bad situation but i'm just saying like it's just it is a weird thing to like have done it and then get it and get it pretty bad and you're just like well (laughs) you know again and it doesn't it's like that does not mean have anything to do with the efficacy of vaccines or the necessity of them it's just i don't know just i would i would be like this huh no, you know what it Weird. did? It just it's it also just made me angrier at people who didn't get vaccinated because I know yeah. that that's a an issue where I work and uh it just meant that like if more people were vaccinated then I maybe I could have avoided it and maybe I wouldn't have had to experience it. And then I went through the vaccinations and I did all the right things and I happen to be an unlucky person who had to get it badly despite being vaccinated and it was likely because so many people were resistant to the vaccine and i hate them and i hate their souls <laughs> i know it is hard it's like it's just hard to have any tolerance for it at this point it's just like so a friend of mine is is coaching his kids basketball team uh in a borough of new york city that let's say might be the most vaccine hesitant borough of our fair city uh not brooklyn um and there was he was showing me his group chat where now the the league, which is run by the diocese, archdiocese, uh, is requiring all the coaches to be vaccinated. And so there's like a group chat, and I don't know something like uh, what's uh, Facebook's uh, social monitoring thing? What's WhatsApp, right? What's and up? he and, and he was showing me. He was like, uh, you know, it's just these people. Like, you know, some people were. Um, I, I would say most of them were fine. Most people yeah. were like. Sure. Let me, I'll send you my card. Where, where's it going to be? Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, there's gotta be these people that are like, well, I respect people's personal choices. And this is a huge mistake because we're losing good coaches because of this ridiculous rule. And it's just like, well, I got news for you. And this, maybe this will put your mind at ease. You're not losing any good coaches. Right. <laughs> Zero. Right. You know why? No because if it was a good coach, they would do they would create the safest environment possible for the kids that they're coaching. Yeah. And if they're not vaccinated, they're not doing that. So if the coach is unvaccinated, they're just not a good coach. They're failing at literally the most basic possible thing you could do as a coach, which is keep your players safe. Yeah. Now I hear you. It's uh uh, yeah, whatever. I'm so tired of the whole thing. Like, that whole thing, that attitude is. That's what I say. Like my thing that I'm not getting in fights with people about it. I'm just when it comes up, I'm being like, yeah, but you should get vaccinated. Like you should. Do it. I was like, <laughs> no, that and that's the smartest way to do booster. it. Really is. I was like, uh huh. Yeah. You know what though? You should do it. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe today. Maybe today you go do it. Right. Like that's just, yeah. Yeah. That's generally how I how I'll address it with the kids at my school yeah um because even though they're all eligible most of them are not in control of that decision on their own right you know they're being influenced by an adult or they're in, an adult is just simply in charge of them with adults i have i don't have that kind of patience it's like you're an adult you're a grown-up right don't right. be an idiot <laughs> 
do your best not to be a moron, please. Right, right. Just stop. I know, it's true. Oh, God. So, you know. Now, here's the question I wanted to open with. You did a good job because I told you I wanted to get you off balance to start the podcast. But you, once again, you turned the tables because I, <laughs> I, I put my, I signaled to you my intentions. Um, but I want to retake the upper hand. Here's my question to you. What? So wait, what year was it when the Giants beat the Pats the first time in the Super Bowl? Was that 2008, like 2007, 2007 season? 2007, the game took place in 2008. In 2008, okay. So 2008, Brian Domena. At the time, we are sharing an apartment on Clinton Street in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So let's just say March of 2008, coronavirus hits for the first time, as it, as it had in, in 2020. Okay, so you and I are in that apartment on Clinton Street and and you are who you are in 2008. What does 2008 Brian DeMena think about COVID restrictions and the actual threat of COVID versus the perceived threat of COVID? Forget vaccines for a minute. Just just handle that. It's an excellent question. I think because I definitely in, the, in my younger days had more of a anti-authority. One, I still don't like, I don't like arbitrary rules, rules that are unnecessary and silly. Um, but I do think this is where I've been on the whole thing, man. Like it's COVID has just, it just got to a place where it became undeniable. You know, like I could see me at the start being a 28 year old healthy like still going to bars when it first started and not taking it that seriously and thinking lockdowns like whoa this is crazy you know and maybe not wanting to wear my mask whatever in a world where though it was going to top out like remember like in those early days where they would do the models where it like topped out at like 60 you know it's like it it looks like it might be 60 to eighty thousand deaths or something like that (laughs) Yeah. And Trump was like, oh, look, what a great job we did that. You know, now we're talking about we're going to hit a million this year. In a, like a two and a half year span, a million people are going to die from this. <laughs> like, there's just no, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, you're just an asshole. Like, right. It's just, I don't care how young you are. Like, again, I, you know, it's like, it's so funny to me that, that the Atlantic published that ridiculous article like two weeks ago, right before Omicron hit of that ridiculous person being like where i live no one cares about covid and you're just like good for you like right so where you live everyone sucks what does that mean what do you mean you don't care about covid like it's a disease that's killed like hundreds of thousands you don't care about that at all like anything that new that happened that suddenly started doing that you know like if people started drowning at the just anything whatever it is like whether you do anything about it or not, okay, but like you should certainly care about it, right? Like, <laughs> right. Jesus, like you just feel nothing. So I don't know. Like, I think I would I would be vaccinated. I you know that I don't think would change that much. I might be complaining a little bit more. I don't know. Right. That's interesting. I'm also so sick of the just. There's this attitude like I you know this thing is really. <sighs> causing the problems in my life <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's I, I found it it's been very inconvenient in many ways it's like it, yes it's a horrible 
deadly virus that is rampaging the entire world. Like, yes, it's affecting everything. Like, did you know that kids are doing a little bit worse in school? Right. Yes. (laughs) I did know that. I'm not surprised. Like, everything is a little worse right now. And it's going to have lasting effects. Something terrible has happened. I just, like, this cascade of just, like, and you know what else? It's like, yes, I know what else. It's been terrible. It's a disaster has occurred. It is so funny to me how stupid people are in in terms of just like pointing out a a problem that is a result of covid as though that's an argument against caring about covid totally that's the dumbest genre of human oh, so that there is that. category of human that there is like you know if your house is on fire you're going to be like i mean my kids not getting to sleep in their own bed tonight like well yeah it's kind of on fire so right. like Probably not. Probably like, not. Right. What are you talking be, about? That's going to wreck their sleep. And then all week they might be off <laughs> schedule. You know, it's like, right. right yeah. Yes. Aware. <laughs> no. And the schools has been the biggest part of that where it's like, look, there's a honest, a fair, good faith debate about whether they kept them closed too long, blah, blah, blah. But like people act like remote learning was instituted, was implemented as a way to boost test scores like nobody thought it was going to be better than in-person instruction it was done to save human life like it was yes it was a big deal but like the context is always lost like they just closed the schools to be to give (laughs) teachers like a vacation right well first of all there's always deep-rooted suspicion of what teachers are getting and what you know like but i i just have this theory generally too having worked in a school for such a long time and now being a parent you know and my kid goes to like the neighborhood school, public school. I just think that people can't are still just like you're not over your childhood tra- uh, traumas with your own parents. People are not over their childhood traumas that they experienced at school. And adults play that out in their resentment towards, you know, teachers, schools, school systems, whatever taxes they may pay that go to the schools. Like that resentment still exists because, you know, your science teacher in seventh grade was kind of mean to you and stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, just the suspicion that teachers get from, like, rich people drives me <laughs> so insane. Right. Like, it's one thing if you're, like, a truck driver or something and you're and the, you're uh, kind of had it with the schools being closed and maybe you look at the teacher and you're like, these teachers, they got it pretty darn good. Fine, like, I, I'll listen to you a little bit. But, like, yeah. when a freaking, like finance guy bitches about the teachers like they've got it made in the shade you know it's just like would you shut up i'm just like so sick of that oh god right right the best was that daily show thing where they did the teacher cribs that time yeah it's <laughs> a teacher apartments like and look i don't want to complain i really don't want to complain like i have a nice life but my wife did have a total emotional breakdown over the fact that we only have two closets in our apartment apartment and they're both tiny like and it's understandable because we live in a small apartment right right oh you have a nice lifestyle but yeah you're not like rolling in money (laughs) right yeah exactly you know the other thing too about all this i I was just thinking about this the other day because i'm definitely guilty of it too i'm not going to deny it but i think there's an extreme degree with some people is this entitlement that life needs to and might even at all go back to the way that it was like we should all just accept and i'm not even saying this is likely but we should just accept that at any moment things could happen and our lives will never be the same and there will never be no such thing as going back to normal there's this crazy level of entitlement out there that it's just like well this has sucked and it's been long 
Like, when is right. it over? Right, like, it, right. It's over when it's over. Right. Not yeah. one second earlier, and no, no, nobody's forcing it on anybody. Right. And nobody's happy about it. And everybody's right. just doing the best they can. And it's really difficult to figure it out. It's not easy. Um, <laughs> it's really complicated trade-offs. And yeah, no, it's just been hell. Um. On a happier note, can I tell you the thing that made me um, happiest over the Christmas season? Yes, please. Um, it's your daughter Haley's innate hostility to Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> it made me so proud and excited and happy, and I just so relate to it, and I'm just so excited to witness it. <laughs> Because I just love it. Like, she's got him pegged. Yeah, like, all right, Santa. Yeah. Oh, oh, cookies? Sure. I want the cookies. Out. I'll be good. Am I good enough to get the presents? Like, you you hold all the cards, Santa. Do I want the presents? Yeah. Yeah, Santa, I want them. You win. <laughs> like, she's so got it right. Why do we all? It's like, I just love it. Yeah. Here's your cookies. If is isn't enough, <laughs> have I done enough for you? Santa. <laughs> I'll play your little game. I'll <laughs> dance for you, Santa. All right. <laughs> she sees right through it. I love it. It is. It's so <laughs> hilariously innate in her, too, because I got to say, we are not stressing the naughty list. That is not what we do. Yeah. Our, our elf on the shelf is not a narc. It's just, like, fun. Right. Does That's fun, smart. silly, Philly, silly things. Not spying on you. Not, not an asshole. And we don't even talk about the naughty or the nice list. Like, I don't think I've ever said it. Like, ever. Once. But about two weeks before Christmas, she started having a lot of questions about the naughty and the nice list. Yeah. And, and it's like, where are you getting that? Because I we're not pushing that with you, really. So, but you know, she knows it's out there, obviously. I mean, he knows if you've been bad right. or good. <laughs> he knows. Right. I just found it so funny that, that we didn't emphasize it, but she's just like, hold yeah. on. I heard that. Like, let's clarify. But right. I feel like we're not talking about this. Like, <laughs> I didn't realize there were prereqs right. to the presence. I'm hearing that out in the streets, and we're not right. talking about it at home. Are we hiding something? Like, right, what's going right. on? How do you get on this naughty list? <laughs> right. yeah, am I at risk? Yeah. So she's asking us about it, and I and I was just like, I I was never, I was totally unambiguous, even in moments where she was misbehaving and I was angry at her. I was just like, you are definitely not on the naughty list. This is not a naughty <laughs> list thing. I don't care. I'm just really irritated at you right now. But this does not get you on the naughty. Like, so reassuring. I could not have, like, I just could not have tried to make it a smaller thing. But she was just like, that's not what I heard. Right. She's just picturing up there with the list, Haley Ishii. Mm -hmm. And she has no control over it. And like, what? What's the criteria? Like, he's just sitting there. Mm. Naughty. Oh, I don't she know. hates it, right? <laughs> she hates it so bad. <laughs> Who put you in the driver's seat? I don't know. <laughs> it's just funny because it's always like it's part of it's very similar to why I like have not, you know, what what repelled me from like Christianity is like that explanation of the universe that God is up there and it's you are good, you go to hell, you go to heaven, you're bad, you go to hell. Like 
who put this asshole in charge? Like that's the <laughs> whole that's the whole mystery of the universe is just some douchebag who's like makes us all dance for his amusement. And if we good, you know, like that's well, right. And it's the whole idea of it is so similar to this like don't te- don't like teach real sex ed, just teach like total abstinence. It's like that's impossible to some degree. And so if you just like don't sin and you'll be fine. <laughs> like, I want to sin constantly. Right. Like, I, and you're a kid, right? So you're just like, I don't know how to square this. Right, with like, right. I can't. Like, what if I live till 80? I can't not sin till then. I can barely right. get through the day. Like, right. what are we going to do? Gonna go to hell? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's very unsatisfying to me. You know, that reminds me, because when you were talking earlier about, um, you know, how you used to question authority so much more when you were younger and, um, and you know, also about how you spoke to that woman about vaccines. I do think it's sort of that delivery and us having been friends for so long. And especially when we were younger, I do, I do recall a number of instances where you just sort of, you know, especially me too. Like I was definitely raised as a highly intense rule follower, and, but when I didn't like a rule, I hated it because I still had to follow it. And it was a very complicated thing for me. And I, you were one of the first friends I had who was just like would calmly question a rule and be like, well, why do we have to do that? That sounds really dumb. <laughs> and I would be like, yeah, it does sound really dumb. Why are we do- like, it, you know, like, what are we doing here? Right, but it's a rule. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Who says who? Santa. <laughs> Uh, oh man well that's great and what was the game you guys were playing that nate won over christmas it's called cuckoo um, okay so basically like a, a high low game um trying you know highest card is good lowest card is bad but there's a pot of money and everybody plays and if you you know anyway yeah he won the big pot of money <laughs> he rubbed it right in my face it was a great <laughs> Nate boy moment he was <laughs> super thrilled um he is, man, that kid is really funny. He's really funny. It seemed, too, like the whole party was genuinely excited that Nate won specifically. Like, even Alice. Even Alice got into it. Yeah, then later she was kind of like, why does Nate... Like, poor Alice has to... It's like, the, she's the Washington Generals to Nate's Globetrotters. <laughs> of, you know, these types of things. Like, he just sucks up all the oxygen and has to win. And But this one we get, was fun. Because, yeah, he really loved it, and everybody was excited. And he's going to have to learn how to lose pretty soon, but we gave him, <laughs> we'll give him this Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll give him this Christmas yeah. before we ruin it. I've actually Where... been reading this book um, called The Uncontrollable Child. Uh, yeah, um, I believe my wife requested a, a copy. Yes, you're right. <laughs> and actually, I'm gonna use, and this is a good segue into the Giants later, because it's, yes. been, it's been really helping me. But one of the th- the big things is radical acceptance. Yes. Of accepting who your child is and doesn't mean you don't change things. So one of the um, examples they actually give in the book is like if you're in prison for a crime you didn't commit. If you, you know, just can't get over it, you'll drive yourself totally insane and you'll just be miserable the whole time. And it doesn't mean you don't like file appeals and investigate ways to get out. But at a certain point, you have to just accept that you're going to do that time. And then you, you know, 
can make the most of it. Maybe you take classes or you try to like learn some new skill or, you know, and, and then it doesn't mean you don't, you don't try to change your situation or improve or whatever, but you have to like accept it. It's sort of like with your kids, you have to accept them and that you're not going to get this place where they're going to be these people that you wished they were. They're going to have these issues, blah, blah, blah. And one, I was thinking it's kind of like, the, I feel like the Giants right now <laughs> are a little bit like, you know, being in prison for a crime you didn't commit. <laughs> being a Giants fan right now. <laughs> but oh also, God. I feel so like we, I need to start practicing radical acceptance of their situation because I'm dri- being driven mad by how angry I am at them. Well, all right. Now... That sounds very emotionally healthy of you. And I always want to support emotional health. But I also want to point out, I think you're very good at radical acceptance. Or at least, like, if you're not good at radical acceptance, you're accepting enough of a person that it's not going to take you... It's not that far of a trip for you to get to radical acceptance, in my opinion. Right. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I have found it to be very helpful as a parenting... um, tact that's i mean that's funny to me because i look at i think you're just an accepting person generally like i think that's just your vibe it's just like well you know what are you, gonna do? <laughs> you know like, <laughs> I, I think that's a big part of our dynamic and that we're polar opposites in that way like right. you know but i mean so it's funny to me. I don't think you have that far of a trip. And I want to, though, encourage that with your son because I think that's excellent parenting advice. Right. Um, but I want to discourage it with the Giants. Right. Don't accept right. it. Because you know what the problem is? The problem is that the New York media is too accepting of it. That could be true. That is a fair point. We've reached a point. Like, listen, I get it. Sometimes a point comes where you just have to take the ship down. Right. You know, like my, my acceptance is that this isn't going to get better and I'm taking us all out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand um, the New York media's posture towards like the continuing credulity with which the credulousness is that what I'm, I don't know what I'm looking for, but that the media takes with the giants and, you know, there was this big Paul Schwartz article in the New York post about the giants GM search, you know, separating fact from fiction. That was just <laughs> giant spin. I mean, like no other right. way to slice it. It was him putting giant spin on every, on everything. And, and this whole idea that they are going to, they leak, <laughs> they leak through the media. It starts peppering out. They would like to keep Joe Judge and Daniel Jones, but also that they're going to be in the market for a new GM, that whether that Gettleman is either getting fired or retiring, most likely retiring, he's probably not going to get fired, and they're going to be in the new GM. So that people, you know, people get a little, that's alarming news. But then, then the Giants leak out, no, 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 but the new GM is going to get to make that decision, and he'll make it. <laughs> so... The Giants are, I mean, like, are going to go through an interview process where the, the candidates know that they want to keep Judge and Jones because that's out there. So then when they get a candidate who's like, no, I like Joe Judge. I like Daniel Jones. And the Giants hire them. And the Giants turn around and say, look, 
we turned it over to this guy. He right. He he loves them. You know that's what luck. What a what a coincidence. (laughs) It's just like you got to be kidding me. So there's just no path where judge. It's like they've created the situation where. Like, I'm not even saying I want Judge necessarily fired or Daniel Jones off the team. I can make cases for why those two guys should be in their jobs. But there's there's now no path where they can return and have it feel like a healthy situation. I mean, of course. Like, again, the, the, the absurdity of it, you, you said it perfectly. What if, what if my wife was out and I was supposed to have dinner with my daughter and she comes home and she sees two bowls of ice cream on the table? And it's like, oh, was this, did you guys have dessert already? No, that was dinner. Why, why would you have ice cream for dinner? Well, I let Haley decide. It's not my fault. Like, look, I gave Haley some autonomy. I let her, cho- she happened to choose ice cream. Well, I mean, what do you, what do you want me to do about that? How am I supposed to control that? Like, just say no. Right. Well, but it's just that they, when them telling the candidates. Right. They the, put it out there. The right. conclusion they want them to come to. And then, right. Well, they'll be act all mystified or like it'll be some kind of coincidence when the candidates that they interview repeat that back to them as, you know, it's, it's Jason Garrett all over again. Yes. Yes. They wanted Jason Garrett. And lo and behold, Joe, they, they didn't tell Joe Judge that he had to do it. <laughs> but <laughs> they just leaked it out there ahead of time that they wanted him. And then the code coaching candidate, this like newcomer young guy who's just, who's just so lucky to have the job. Well, wouldn't you know it? He agrees that Jason Garrett should be the offensive coordinator. And what a, what a serendipity. Like, it's so ridiculous. There's so many things that make me so furious about this situation. Number one, why are some giants, and I'm looking at you, Dan Duggan, why are some Giants beat reporters now just stating it as such casual fact that Jason Garrett was forced on Joe Judge? Where you didn't hear that That's one so time yeah. while Joe while Jason Garrett was employed by the team. And now he's gone. It's just like, and you know how like Judge had Jason Garrett forced on him. Like, right. no, I, I didn't know that for sure. Where was that information a year ago? Even though I did, obviously, because I'm not stupid. But like, what? Yeah, but I mean, the same thing. Like, so just to print as fact, as as addressing these rumors that, like, no, 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 the GM, the new GM is going to have the say. <laughs> as though the fact that the owners want Judge and Jones back has no bearing on what ends up happening. And if, you know, look, maybe they will hire GM and the GM will fire Judge and bring in a new quarterback and it'll be moot. But there's now no path where those two guys return where you can accept it. You know, like right. they've almost poisoned the thing that they actually want to have happen is now they've almost made it harder for it to happen. Or like that, when it happens, it's just going to be impossible to feel good about anything that they've now done. That's so true. They poison their own well. That's how stupid right. they are. Right. <laughs> like it's so bad. I would love it if like. Richard Deitch or Jimmy Traina could write a story on how, like, cause I, I just in tell me if, if I don't know if you've picked up on this or if, if you've even seen it, but like, I feel like NJ.com was the giants mouthpiece for the whole Jason Garrett saga. Like they were the ones that helped the giants get all that out there and try to pretend like it was normal. And 
I feel like NJ.com has actually been very critical of the Giants and the Maras at this stage. And now all of a sudden, Paul Schwartz is the mouthpiece of the organization. And now they've jumped over to the post. Like, what happened there, I wonder? Right. Yeah, maybe it's... Well, I don't know. It could be just different um, people in the... I don't know. (laughs) I was going to say, like, there's been some turnover in in who's writing for those places. But I don't know. I mean, I just don't understand how you can just take the Giants' word for it at this point about, like, oh, no, (laughs) no, no. no. This this process is going to be, like, totally legit. And, you know, I actually, I happened to listen to you last week. Uh, I thought you did a fine job without me, but oh, thank uh, you. like, I totally agree. Like Kevin Abrams, like you can't, you can't give him the job, even if you wanted to, like, you just can't like, and, right. and then tell anybody that this is a legit process. Like there's no way for him to get the job, like, and have anybody accept it as anything but a farce. Like, even if, if they wanted to, or if they really wanted to, then just ha- give him the job. Because, like, to have him as a candidate and then interview other people and then come back to him, you're just going to look ridiculous. Right, right, because you are ridiculous. It's also – he just can't. Like, I, I just think, too, maybe if I'm, if I'm giving the Giants the maximum benefit of the doubt, they are just floating his name out there to make sure that he doesn't leave humiliated and that he has a shot somewhere else and i get it like that i would understand to a certain degree unfortunately you simply don't have the credibility to be doing that like you know i that's it i don't make the rules i i didn't you know i didn't make the world but you can't his name can't be part of the process it just can't it even having his name in the process just gets everybody's mindset into places where this is just not serious Right. I mean, I understand where they don't, it's hard for them. They also don't want to be so opaque on judge that it, you know, it affects him probably in the here and now, like if they weren't, but like, there's just no way, like they just, there shouldn't be this sense that they really want to keep him. You know, it should be, it could, it should be much more ambiguous right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why do they have to do this? I just don't get it. Right, I get why you don't want to fire another guy after like so soon. It 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 uh it makes you look bad and it's not good. But what can you do? Right. Like he's also like he's collapsed. I mean, it's like since that happened, he has humiliated himself <laughs> two weeks right. in a row. The team has been a disgrace. We had negative ten yards passing in a full game. <laughs> What's crazier to me? I mean, let's get to the negative 10 yards passing. Certainly, let's talk about that. What's crazier to me, though, is that like days after that insane Paul Schwartz article comes out, that all but like seals Judge it in for the next regime. Judge just with the all time unforced error of totally having an emotional breakdown in a press conference. Like, why did you do that? Like, that more than anything. Even the game, I could see the Maras just ostriching and burying their heads in the sand, even no matter how disgraceful that game was. But that press conference was, man, that was just a national story. I feel like if the Giants just lost that game in humiliating fashion, it would have been bad in the New York media. It would have been just like a bad feeling overall with the team. But nationally, nobody would have cared. 
Joe Judge then made it a national story. Right. You know, it's fascinating, actually, for him as, like, a Belichick disciple, right? Like, how unbuilt Belichick was that? Like, yeah, there is, there is, like, I think sometimes those guys, it's like, I don't know, the Belichick secret sauce is, is almost like, you know, he has an ego, but he doesn't coach with his ego. Whereas, like, Judge, man, that was all about him, you know, like, yeah. That was he's embarrassed and he's trying to be like, no, I'm doing this. And <laughs> I mean, that whole press conference was unbelievable. I, I hate judging these guys on press conferences because like the reason we do it is like, what's he supposed to say? They stink. And the reason we do it is because it's this is the part of the sport that regular people can like understand and evaluate, you know. And so like we're going to he stunk up the press conference. It really doesn't matter. But it was so embarrassing <laughs> like <laughs> that it's pretty hard to ignore it. Like. One thing that was unbelievable was the way he came out. You know, again, this is a 29-3 to loss to one of the worst teams in the league in which you had negative 10 <laughs> yards passing. And he intros it with, this is even before, you know, his one-man Hamlet. But <laughs> that the plan was to run the ball, stop the run, and, play, and cover the kicks. The kicking game was going to be big. And, like... Basically, they hit on all three. Ran the ball well. <laughs> Stop. You know, three objectives we had going in, and we nailed all three. And you're I... like, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, oh, well, then good, I guess. <laughs> I guess this was a good game. I guess right. in hindsight, you know. Just... What's is so insane about that is that's coming out and saying, we did a horrible job coaching. Like, we. <laughs> We hit our three biggest marks and we yeah. lost 29 to three. <laughs> right. That shows that even in defeat, even at post defeat, I still don't know what the hell that game was about. <laughs> what the point of it was, what we should have done. What? <laughs> I don't have any we did, clue. We did everything perfect that I thought we should do. Right. Win and it, like, we, it was the total opposite. And yet yeah. somehow we were still humiliated. <laughs> right. Like, right. What? Like that game to go on that rant was just unbelievable. Like, it's one of the worst game. You know, negative ten yards passing in an yeah. NFL football game. Right, it's almost unfathomable <laughs> in twenty twenty two. It's almost unbelievable. Unfathomable. Yeah, you know the thing about the press conference. You kind of touched on it a little bit. I remember um, the the last year that I was coaching uh, on on varsity, and I was the defensive coordinator. Uh, we were, we had a tough stretch. We dropped two in a row in the regular season, uh, which, by the way, we ended that season in the championship game of the league. But uh, we had lost. We dropped two in a row, and it was really tough. We were getting ready for the next opponent. I was definitely feeling the, the, the heat, and I was definitely feeling a lot of pressure at that time. And the head coach, to his credit, was trying to reassure me. He was trying to give me a little pep talk. <laughs> but he said, he goes, look, man it's hard at this level sometimes like it's you're putting your name on it. You're putting your reputation on it. You're putting everything on it. You're putting it on the line and you're putting your, you're putting it out there and you can get humiliated and everybody knows it's you. <laughs> That's hard. It's like, that is hard. That is hard. I don't want to do this anymore at all. <laughs> the stakes are really high. Right. Like, That's not helping me. Right. <laughs> that makes me feel much worse. Right. I mean, oddly enough, and we went on a tear. Like, right, <laughs> it right. certainly locked me in, but yeah. 
because the truth was there. It was like, yeah, it felt humiliating. It felt like right. everyone was like, what are you doing? And I know that's how Judge feels. Like, because obviously he's doing on an exponentially bigger, bigger <laughs> scale. But like, so I get the meltdown. Right, right. But it, it was still melt. I mean, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. You know what really bothered me is the like, the the pot shots at Shermer, which I know he didn't intend it that way, but like the golf clubs in the locker room, right. which was a thing that happened on, on his watch and all that stuff. And, and I'm not any Pat Shermer defender, but like that was dead aim at his regime, you know? And like, when I came in, what's wrong? Oh, these guys tapped out. They quit. Like, that's just saying that's this other guy. That's the kind of program he ran. And it's like <laughs> Pat Shermer's last season was way better than than this year anything you've way done. better than you they actually finished semi strong yeah in his two years with saquon barkley saquon barkley looked like one of the best running backs of all time daniel jones's rookie season was genuinely promising he had 300 yard games he had 24 right. touchdowns 24 touchdowns feels like a, you know an impossible dream right now <laughs> So for like, the for team, you, like <laughs> if if it takes golf clubs in the locker room, bring back the golf clubs. Right. Like, <laughs> it's also a cup. Like, yeah, Daniel Jones's best season was under Pat Shermer, but also like say what you will about per- Pat Shermer. Never saw Pat Shermer have a meltdown at a press conference like that. Never right. saw. Never saw that. He was just boring up there. You know right. what? I take boring. Judge is clearly trying to be entertaining, and like you know, general Patton up there. And well, I don't know if you know this, Brian, he's very funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, he loves to hear himself talk, you know, and like he talks and talks and talks. This is like the second time in three weeks he's gone on one of these like long, yeah. ridiculous, cliched ridden coach speak, you know, I mean the whole thing, like I got guys begging to come back. I know that. I know that. Oh, it's like you don't know anything like, right that's baloney yeah <laughs> i would like i also here i'm gonna step in and defend judge one more time and i hope one last time some people on twitter were making jokes about how judge's fake southern accent was almost as bad as brian kelly's fake southern accent and to that i want to say number one brian kelly's was worse just objectively <laughs> It was worse. And I don't like Joe Judge, but Brian Kelly's was worse. Number two, I don't also don't think that's fair because I think that Joe Judge has been doing a Coach Eric Taylor impression since the day he was hired. Right, right. That's actually very true. Yeah. I, I right. I I don't think he's like like why would he be putting on a southern accent in as coach of the New York Giants? I think yeah, right. you're right. He picked up some mannerisms down there that he likes and thinks are working for him. Like the Brian Kelly thing was insane. Right. <laughs> that was week to week. Also, like, say what you will about Joe Judge. He none, no one associated with him has ever died due to like right. his decisions. So. Right, right. <laughs> and look, I you know I I want to root for that guy. I really do. I I wouldn't be like. There is part of me, like you know I would say to the Giants, like don't do the thing you're about to do. Like either Judge is gone, and it's a fresh start or yeah, we're hiring Kevin Abrams or a judge picked guy and we're leaning more into judge and yeah. give him the reins and his handpicked GM or person he wants to work with and just 
roll the dice that way if that's what you want to do. Just do right. it. Right. Don't do this thing where you're trying to make everybody happy and you're going to get it wrong. <laughs> because you've been trying to make everybody happy for a while now and nobody is happy. Right. That's what they keep doing. They keep trying, you know, with the Eli situation, with they just can't pull the Band-Aid off and just actually do the right thing. They keep trying to, like, find this perfect middle ground solution. And sometimes there is no middle ground. Yeah. There, and there isn't in this case. Yeah. You, you just have to do one or the other with some conviction and do it. They make me so angry, Brian. I I can't radically accept them. Right. Yeah. It might take some time. but <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Don't radically accept. There's too much acceptance of them. I just don't get it. Like, the headlines. I just don't understand it. I don't even think that the... I think the media has turned on them a little bit outside of Paul Schwartz and it's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. They're yeah. a disgrace. They're a disgrace. That's, there's no other way to describe it. I agree. No, you're right. And I totally agree on the media thing. I don't get why they're still getting favorable coverage and credulous headlines and why they're not just being questioned. And I second. was saying this to you and Gropa too. I, I think that there are some people we have to look into possibilities of more than just firing them. Or cutting them right. or something. There needs to be, yeah. Yeah, like Nate Soldier's, Nate Soldier's kids are not allowed to go to college. Right. Like, I think that's fair. <laughs> you know, they're just not allowed. They can't go. Right. They Figure it out. Wonderful lives and careers. But... Right. You know, you could, you know, let's see. You know, we're not saying you got to go to jail or anything, but. Right. You, you know, you just. In an American university. Right. <laughs> right. Something. Something has to happen. You can't be that that terrible and make that much money and and all that. So switching gears, there's a good Knicks game going on right now. As we're I saw that. Um, yeah. So I know you're you're very angry right now with um, Julius Randall. Yes, but I hate him. Did, did has the has anything that's happened in the last week made you feel any differently? Not really. I, I mean, look, I get it. I'm not saying. I don't my argument with Randall is not that like we need to get rid of him or that uh we're better if he's not playing. It's that we suck because he sucks. I mean, I, I don't think any of that's changed, right? Like the solution, I have not once suggested that we get rid of him, cut him, trade him, bench him. I haven't even I don't even think we should bench him. I really I genuinely don't. It's just he has to play better and he needs to be held accountable for that publicly. Like we should. It should be more like, what are you doing? What's going on? Why are you so terrible? Why are we paying you so much? But what, what, what is that? <laughs> Why would they do that? Like, what does that get? Like, uh, you feel like you want him to like publicly, like, <laughs> like I am ashamed of my performance. This yes. <laughs> I know that I have cost us. I will admit, I, I was really angry at him really upset i would because i and i i do feel like this week though like i thought i was excited not that he got COVID. i don't want to say that but i was excited <laughs> for the opportunity to see the knicks play without him i really was and i thought it would look good and it did not look good like it was really bad um and I was sh really, I was taken aback. And, I, and there were caveats to it. Like, they were also missing, you know, there was no Kemba, no Derrick Rose. Right. Mitchell Robinson was out. 
I still was like not expecting them to look as like they looked real bad, you know, <laughs> like they suddenly looked like one of the worst teams in the league bad. Well, I would say two things. One, uh, you know, I don't think my Randall take is all that shocking in that, you know, as you know, one time my father predicted with absolute certainty that Kayagawa would return the money from his contract from the Yankees and return to Japan in shame. And he would do that voluntarily because he'd be so ashamed of himself. So, yeah, I sort of think Randall should do the same thing. I I understand that impulse. But number two, like, I I do sort of feel like you say some of those things a little too casually. Like, I mean, there were other things. We had no point guards, Mitchell Robinson out. (laughs) That's a lot. It's a lot of people on top of losing Randall. Yeah, yeah. have our performance to like bring down the overall performance of the team. Like, I don't think that's kind of just like a, well, you know, these other things were happening. Like, I think those are like, you know, those are important. Even if Randall was playing, those would be a big deal loss for us. Right, right, right. That's true. Um, but again, I, it's not so much about, I think we're going to look better without Randall or we just need to lose Randall entirely. My point is, is that like, we're bad because he's bad. Because you know what? I, I mean, I don't know. Was the team actually better last year? I mean, I think that's a longer conversation that requires a lot more research, but I just think generally we were awesome last year because Randall was good. Now Randall is playing terribly, and so are we. So, I mean, like, he's just got to be star player. I, I just don't, I, you well, know. I guess it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I just think now I do find myself, you know, is it his is it is it fair to say you know a lot of other things haven't worked out this year like RJ Barrett has been way worse like is that because Randall's been worse or is that RJ struggling through some stuff like Fournier hasn't worked out at all he's been terrible is that because he's playing with Randall or because his own ineptitude or issues like um i would confess I thought we would look good without like, and I, I still, there's part of me that still would like to see um, Kemba Walker, RJ, Fournier, Obi, and Mitch in a game. Like I, I would kind of like to see what that looked like just cause, but you did see Obi's warts, you know, when he played a full game, like the way he's being used, like every, you know, it's just interesting. Like, Kemba goes to the bench. Everybody's like, I, and I, I'm, I'm one of these people. I thought that I was like, this is going to turn it around. <laughs> like they put Alec Burks in there. I was like, this is going to be great. We went two and seven. We looked awful. It was like, okay, maybe it's not all Kemba, you know, Randall now like same phenomenon where, and, and again, these on off numbers that people show, like, I just feel like it's all, it's basketball is a complicated stew. Like it's just, I feel like the advanced stats in basketball are not worthless or anything, but I think they're the weakest of the three major sports as far as like really telling you much. Yeah, you're probably right. Or at least they require like way more context, way more context and caveats and yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's all these numbers that like every single guy on the Knicks team is better without playing without Randall. You know, right, and it's also but, so true. Even when you break it down to the individual, like even PER is supposed to be one of the most reliable stats, but it's like it doesn't really work for big men. Well, then it's like not, you know, what? But um, right, right, it, it overrates big men in like really important ways. Like yeah, okay. But I just think like 
you know, I, again, I, to me, it's not about because I think you're right. It, it's a very complicated thing, and I I've actually thought I thought early in the season when the that starting five that you listed that beat the Celtics on opening night that gave us all that hope when they first started to struggle. My thought was well. I mean, we have to figure it out with them because our path to the best possible version of this team is with that as our starting five, is that as our like main lineup. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe that's still true or maybe it never was. I don't know. I just know that I don't think that them playing terribly in Randall's absence is necessarily an endorsement of Randall. When you look back and you kind of list everything you were listing, it's like Randall's still a common denominator out there. I don't know. Is Randall playing badly because of Fournier or is Fournier playing badly because of Randall? Is RJ playing badly because of Randall or is Randall playing badly because of RJ? Is like Kemba struggling because of Randall? Is Randall struggling? I don't know. Rand- Randall's in the mix with all of it. And- he is. But he just, it's like, there is just something like aesthetically so brutal about him and the way he's been playing. I, I don't know. I just, I have found myself like not knowing quite what I, what to make of these Knicks in after, the, after both of those things, the Kemba benching and the Randall bent, like missing a couple of games. Like, no, I don't disagree with that at all. My, just my primary issue with, well, I guess my primary issue with Randall is a uh, friend of the podcast, Matt, who just refuses to hold him accountable for like anything or just like, We'll do it, but only like with a gun to his head and then immediately start firing blame everywhere else that he possibly can. And then he also just has an insane argument about how Randall's contract is actually meaningless. Well, I do feel like you have been demanding, like I think Matt has come around and criticized and acknowledged that Randall has not been good, but you like seem to require him to, to pump, <laughs> to say fully and like just straightly that Randall has been the single biggest issue with this year's mix, <laughs> which I, I think I agree with you. Um, but I am starting to at least think that, Matt not wanting to like turn on the him completely has some merit. Like I am, I am starting to inspect myself as feeling like I am too down. I, cause I'm telling, I have been thinking, I was like, let get him off the team. Like I cannot watch him play. I really was. I was like, cut him. I was there. But I was just I, like, I, he, he froze. Was, I found him so brutal. Oh no. At 54 minutes, you froze in maybe the most pivotal moment of this conversation. <laughs> Are you back, Brian? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I, I was just like, get get him off the TV screen, like, any yeah. way you can. I was like, start Obi and then bring in Knox, and that's like, I don't care <laughs> if we lose every game. I thought, like, having Grimes and McBride, like, I, I was like Nick's Twitter idiot, like, thinking this was going to be all fun. And I was like, just, you know, humbled by how terrible the team looked in those two games. But see, that's the thing is, I, that's, I think that's where we differed. I was never like, or I wasn't like, we need to bench him necessarily. I just be better. Like, yeah. it's, I'm, de- my point was, I am demanding you be better. And that is fair. Right. Okay. Like, and that's it. Like, I demand better of you. I demand accountability of you. And that is 100% fair. And I think that's where Matt and I differ. It's just like, 
I just think it's fair to demand that of him. And he's just like, that's not really that fair. Now, I will say what you're saying about my struggle with Matt is totally valid and fair. I admit to it. And I do. I want, I do want that to a large degree, but in my defense, I will just say that what I am asking or what I seem to want from him with regard to Randall, as unreasonable as it may be, and I am willing, I am open to the fact that it is unreasonable. He seems perfectly happy to do what I want him to do with Randall about tips. Right, right. And that's where I'm just like, I can't square it. Like, what I'm saying about Randall is unfair, but what you're saying about Tibbs is just like, well, that's like, what do you, what yeah, do you expect? Yeah, no, right. Well, and to me, Tibbs, I'm just not going there. Like, you're mad. You're nuts. If you right. think he's been a negative on this team, I think you're insane. Like, And he's been on that since, like, early November. Yeah, yeah. Like, starting with it, like, what's the deal with Tibbs? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm getting rid of players before I get rid of Tibbs, as of far as I'm concerned. Of course. Yeah. Like, right. So that's more my point. Like what I, I, you're right. I am demanding too much. He has acknowledged it and I'm, it's like not enough for me and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and pushing for more. That's fair. You're right about that. But I feel like all I would have to do is be like, you know, I don't know what shoes is Tibbs wearing tonight. That's what I've been saying all along. He's got to go. He's the worst. Well, like, no, you know, that's, that's where I can't, I can't square it. Right. Because I don't know what, like, what is your Randall accountability? Like, I feel like you want him at half court, like, you know, getting tomatoes thrown at him. (laughs) A a public apology would suffice. And and just put it on your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the best player on the team. I signed a max extension. I, you know, I led us there last year. We ended disappointed. We ended in disappointing fashion. And it was my job to after especially after that contract to come back and deliver and i haven't even come close right i guess too what i would say that like to to matt is like just join us in the disappointment we all yeah. thought he was something else like don't tell me like we all know we all knew he wasn't that good no 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 we thought he was right very good i did i think he was gonna be all nba this year no did i think he was gonna be an all-star yes yes, yes did. and that was fair and yeah. that's and that's the yeah. other thing that's crazy about it. It's like join us in the sadness, right? And also last year it was it was like Leon Rose was wrong because he didn't see the greatness in Randall when it was obvious all along. But now all of a sudden this year it's why does everyone's expectations of Randall be that he's LeBron? That's not fair. <laughs> it's right, like right. no, it's one or the other. It's not like both those things. Yeah. So yeah. All right, we're at time, and it's let's catch the end of this game anyway. Right. In real time. Oh, well, they really pulled away, but, well, anything could happen. Anything can happen. Plenty of yeah. time left. Yeah, it's true. It's still three minutes. All right, fans, Brian, Godspeed. Right. This was a good one, Scott. Yeah.